moment. So have you ever tried talking to God or trying to talk God into doing something that you wanted him to do, but you wasn't sure if he wanted to do it? Anybody ever do that? Come on, I was a young believer, and I thought if I prayed, that God would just do it. Like he was at my beck and call. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, I want a four-by-four Ford. Hook a brother up in the name of Jesus. And I thought if you said the name of Jesus, you was good. Well, quickly I learned that God doesn't work like that. <laughs> Sometimes he, he does things the way he wants to do them. Because his ways are higher than our ways. <laughs> I had a hard lesson to learn. I, I thought I was smart and God was just my assistant. <laughs> wrong. Can you say wrong? I was wrong. There's actually a verse in the Bible that says this in, in Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. This is a good life verse. It says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Say nothing, says the Lord. And, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's good news. Because I know my limitations Come on, don't get all religious on me this morning. You know your limitations. Some of you barely got out of high school just like I did. You had to beg. Your thoughts wasn't all that high. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I am so grateful that my father, my, my father God, that his thoughts are greater than my thoughts. I'm excited about that, but let me tell you what I'm more excited about. I'm more excited that he and I are in a relationship now. And I can go to him and say, Lord, oh man, I need some help. Here's what's crazy. When I was young, I thought I could do it all by myself. When I get older, I'm realizing I was stupid and I need some help. Lots of help. Say lots of help. Look at your neighbor and say, you need lots of help. But thank God that his ways are higher <laughs> than our ways. But there's some things that God blesses that he's already made up his mind to bless. And if we want to experience God's blessings, then all we have to do is discover what he's already blessing and begin to do that. Come on, instead of saying, Lord, I'm going to do this, I need you to bless it. How about we discover what he's already blessing and we go, Lord, I'm going to get up underneath that and live a life of blessing. I'm not talking about Cadillacs. Come on. I'm talking about real blessings, health, relationships, marriage, children, real blessings, not just money in your bank account. Money can't buy love. Money can't buy satisfaction that'll last forever. Amen. So I want to be blessed in every way that God wants me to be blessed. You can be broke and have great relationships and not feel broke. Can I get a witness? So let me, let me give you a couple of things God will not bless before we get into the message. Because <laughs> there's some things we think God will bless or he'll bless us in the midst of these things and he just won't. Uh, the first thing God will not bless is fear. God doesn't bless fear. How many times in the Bible does the angel of the Lord appear to man? And what's the first words out of his mouth? Fear not. Why does he say that? Because he don't want you to mess up your pants and he don't want you to pass out. Because angels ain't these little bitty things. When I was in children's church, I stood up on a chair and I looked over to all these little kids. I said, this is what an angel looks like. 
And they were like, <laughs> I want them to know. So when an angel would show up, the first thing he would say was, fear not. Why? Because you can't be in fear and led by God in the same moment. I was expecting a better amen than that. It's tough. Listen to me. I understand fear is tough. Pastor, do you fear? Absolutely, I walk in fear sometimes. You hear me? It's a real thing. It's a fight to not walk in fear. There's moments where I get afraid. But I'm responsible to deal with that fear. Come on and not let it linger with me. Fear's not a good bedmate. It don't sleep well. Come on. It's like sleeping with your rowdiest kid. They're all over the bed. You wake up in the morning, their foot's in your nose. That's what fear is like. <laughs> so God won't bless fear. The second thing he won't bless is unforgiveness. Jesus made this real clear that you can't go through life forgiven if you're holding grudges and unforgiveness towards other people. Right? You can't. You can't say, I love God and I don't like people. <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way. We're responsible to forgive the folks that have hurt us. Say, it's my responsibility. God's not going to bless unforgiveness. I've got to do something with it. Let me remind you of the 70 times 7 rule that, that Jesus gave to Peter. Peter said, Lord, how many times i got to forgive this knucklehead? 70 times 7. Say that's a lot. You probably haven't forgiven your spouse that many times. You see it? So God's not going to bless unforgiveness. The third thing he's not going to bless is envy. Have you ever, have you ever bought your kids something or, or like they, they live in a good life and they come to you one day and they kind of complain? And you want to go, hold up a second. Let me tell you something, bruh. We were picking the other night. We all went out, a, uh, we all went out on the town. <laughs> and, my, and I'm driving my son's truck. And he's sitting in the side. And he's, he says something to me kind of smart about, you know, I'm my own man or something like that. I said, well, let me tell you something. You see them consoles you got on? I bought them consoles. You see them pants you got on? I bought them pants. Take them off right now and see if you're going to go eat somewhere else. Hey, sometimes you got to remind them, right? Well, I'll get something to eat. No, you won't. They don't serve naked people. But the reality is, is anytime our kids get dissatisfied with what we've provided for them, it's offensive towards us, right? Imagine God providing all your needs and more, and you're on Facebook or you're in life looking at other people going, oh, I wish I had that, and I wish I could get a new car, and I wish my house was just painted, and I wish I could get that new hairstyle. God's going, hold up a second. You know what you're saying to God? You're not big enough, and you don't have enough resources for my satisfaction. I know that's hard, right? That, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. But, but can we just agree that that's true? That's true. Paul said, Paul said I'm, I'm, I'm content. I'm grateful when I'm hungry. 
He didn't say he was hangry. Man said that. <laughs> I get hangry when I'm hungry, right? And Paul said he was content. I need to get some of that contentment so that way I can be hungry and not hangry. So last week we talked about how God's currency is wisdom and that's how he repays us and wisdom has to be converted. I used an, an analogy of a power plant and how the, a power plant actually takes water or coal and they take those materials and they actually convert it into electricity and then send it through these cute little wires that will kill you into your house and then you can do your hair and have air conditioning and all those great things. But the power had to be converted. Makes sense? It has to be converted. Wisdom has to be converted. If God's going to pay us back with wisdom, then it's going to have to be converted into blessing. So today I want to talk to you about diligence. I said all that to say this, that you need some diligence. I need some diligence. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to, you need to get you some diligence. Diligence is the quality of persevering, being careful in your work and being industrious. When I think of diligence, I think of the days when I have the don't wants. We don't need diligence when we like what we're doing. You need diligence when you got to do something you don't like. You know, when I read my Bible and it tells me to not be a drunkard and don't sleep around with other women, I got to get some diligence. I've ever said, well, you just need to get you something else. Okay, one, one honest, two honest, three honest, four, five honest, three, come on, right? It takes diligence. It takes diligence to get up in the morning and spend time with God because, listen to me, I don't always want to. Can I be real with you today? Some mornings I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed. It's comfortable. Sometimes I don't want to face what I know what's coming that day. But it takes diligence. Diligence is doing what you need to do even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you just got to keep going. Listen, there's days that I go through, and honestly, there's days I just go, man, nothing's clicking today. Nothing's going right. It's like if it can go flat, if it can break, if it can not start, if it can be mad, it's going to happen. You ever have those days? You know what you do on those days? Number one, don't cuss. <laughs> Number two, don't quit. And this is what I've learned I've had to do. Is I got to finish my day up strong. And I got to go home as tired as I am. Get cleaned up. Love my wife. Love my kids. Climb up in that bed. Sleep it off. Get up the next morning and say, Lord, thanks for another day to win. I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> it's a new day. I start screaming. It's a new day. Your mercies are new. Every Lord needs a new batch of mercies, Lord. Come on. Right? It's a new day. There's not that many couillons today as there was yesterday. Right? You got you to gotta keep going. Words that pop in my mind when I think of diligence is just keep going. Don't quit. Press through. Press through. Don't quit. Sometimes you win just by not quitting. You realize sometimes that's the greatest victory of your day? Is that you can just lay your head on the pillow and go, Lord, it was rough. 
but I ain't quit. Come on, is that real or not? It's just real. What's funny is the opposite of, the opposite of diligence is laziness. Well, people don't like that word, do we? People don't like that word, do we? We don't like to be called lazy. It's offensive, right? Or you'll attack back if somebody goes, you are lazy. But here's, here's the truth. The Bible warns us about laziness. Proverbs 10, 4 says this, that lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. The Bible said that. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers are rich. You know what that tells me? That hard work is important. Now, we don't have a relationship with God because of our works. We don't work to, for God to love us. We don't do any of those things. But honestly, when it comes to our daily needs and our daily chores and our daily job, we need to be hard workers. Christians should be the hardest workers on the planet. Come on. You've heard my story. I got to where I wouldn't hire Christians because they's lazy. Guy would come with his application, say, I'm a Christian. I'm like, mm. we'd hire him because we couldn't discriminate. But it didn't last long. It's sad. But we should be the hardest workers. We should have diligence. Why? Because we're sourced with power from something else other than the world is sourced with. We have a different source of strength, a different source of wisdom, a different source of power. We're plugged into heaven. We should be going. Amen? Doesn't mean you're going to feel like it, though. How many of you know there's no such thing as get rich quick? Oh, you might get some cash quick, but it ain't going to stay long. Ask every lottery winner there ever was. But you know, there's a real lie that tells us we got to get something quick and we got to get it now. I remember being younger and thinking, man, I got to have it now. Start up a new, co- a, new, a new business or start up a new venture. And I, I had big visions of what it was going to look like when the money was rolling in. I lacked in vision about when the money was rolling out. <laughs> I lacked in vision where it was going to be hard every day. I lacked in vision where it takes the first five years to see if you're even going to make it or not. Amen. I didn't have vision for that. I was just looking at the money rolling in. I wanted it now. But diligence pays off. You know, casinos are pretty good at this. You ever stop and look at a casino's building and then look at your house? You know they're in business for a reason. They're professional money collectors. They're the best in the world. And you get all puffed up and proud thinking you're going to walk up in there with your $100 bills that you got your last 100 and you're going to beat them. Come on, man. Don't work like that. That doesn't pay off. Diligence pays off. Diligence pays off. So diligence has to be converted, or diligence converts wisdom into blessings. Let me give you a couple of points on diligence this morning, then we'll wrap it up. Number one, diligence is learned. Unfortunately, 
none of us are born with a diligent attitude. Come on. Oh, you were aggressive to get your little mashed potatoes in the jar. You were aggressive to get your mama to change your diaper, but you weren't born with diligence. Right? Let me show you how diligence is learned. Let's watch this video real quick. It's coming. This mama and her baby. The duo set out on a trek along a mountain. After both stumble a few times, the mom looks back at her little one before safely making it to the top. The baby, however, slips, falling down the side of the snow-covered cliff. But the determined cub doesn't give up. Desperate to reach his mom, he gives it his all. It just wasn't enough. He catches himself and tries again. Following in his mother's path, he almost makes it, but can't quite grab her paw and falls again. And not just a little bit. He uses the bare rock to gain his footing and is off again. His mom patiently waits at the top before the furry little engine that could joins his mama, teaching us all to never give up. I'm Kelly Nealon for InsideEdition.com. I saw that this week. I was like, man, that's good. It told me not to quit. It told me don't give up. Things may be a little slippery at times. You may lose your footing. You may lose your grip. But come on, mama bears up at the top. Isn't that good? Diligence is learned. You know what that baby cub learned? Diligence in that moment. It learned not to give up. You see, diligence, you learn diligence in the tough times of life. Unfortunately, you don't learn them in the good times of life. You learn diligence when you don't feel like it. You learn diligence in your darkest hour. You learn diligence whenever you want to quit. You learn diligence when everything seems to be standing against you. That's when you learn diligence. It isn't learned in a textbook. It isn't learned in anything like that. You can learn it here, but you don't really have diligence until it starts working in here. Amen? That's where diligence is learned. It's learned when people don't like you. It's learned when people come against you. It's learned when the enemy is throwing everything he has at you to make you quit. All he wants you to do is quit. And some days your greatest victory is just not quitting. Come on, somebody. It's just not quitting. It's keeping on. Go to bed, Shag. Get up the next morning. Put your feet on the ground. Thank the Lord for a new day and go at it again. Come on, single mamas. Mamas with young kids. Say tomorrow's going to be a better day. Proverbs 19.15 says... (laughs) Lazy people sleep soundly, but idleness leaves them hungry. You know why your teenagers sleep late? Because you feed them. Lazy people sleep soundly, but idleness leaves them hungry. (laughs) You ever had to do something you didn't feel like? For some of you, that's tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Like, Pastor, come on, man. It's, it's the last day of the weekend. Don't ruin it. I'm talking about tomorrow. I'm just helping you prepare you for tomorrow. Diligence. You know, it's normal to be un, un, unmotivated. 
but it's not productive. Most of us struggle from time to time with a lack of motivation. But that's not productive. Number two, wisdom and diligence work together. They work together. Wisdom and diligence works together. Can we turn the air conditioning on? Yeah, this brother's cold. It's cold. Wisdom and diligence work together. Wisdom comes first because you can be diligent and unwise at the same time. I'm going to say that again. You can be diligent and unwise at the same time. It's kind of like your buddy. We're going to talk about your buddy because you never do this. When your buddy gets his truck stuck in the wet grass or the mud, you know, the wisest thing to do is to stop. But there's something about a man that says, I can't stop. I'm getting out. And by the time you quit, the bottom of the truck sitting in the mud, and you got to call four buddies with four-wheel drives to come pull you out. That's diligence, but it was unwise. Right? You need wisdom first, and then you add some diligence to that, and they work hand in hand. Come on, somebody. We're, we're supposed to be working smarter, not harder. <laughs> you put wisdom and diligence together and you'll become unstoppable. James chapter 1 says this. Watch what he says in verse 22 to 25. Wise words right here. He says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Big transition right there. Don't listen. Do what it says. Don't listen do what it says. Look at me now. Don't listen, but do what it says. You getting this? One more time. Don't listen to God's word so you can quote it and look impressive and know it. Don't listen. Do it. That's what James is saying. He's saying, do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling who? Yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We want the blessings without the doing. Come on. You want God to bless your mess. He's not into blessing messes. We don't want to do what it says, but we want the blessings that come from doing what it says. It's Christianity 101 right here. Come on, seriously. You ain't got to read a chapter a day to keep the devil away. You can read one verse, do what it says, and the devil's going to take off running. Amen? It's more powerful to do the little thing God tells you to do than to try to do all the things at one time. Wisdom and diligence work hand to hand. God's going to bless you for doing what he says. So get wisdom and then act on it. Number three, diligence is part of your character. You might not think of it this way, but diligence is part of your character. It's who you are when nobody else is around, nobody's watching, nobody's paying attention. You know this to be true. It's easy to quit, right? How many of you would agree it's easy to quit? It's easy to quit, but it takes real character to keep going. You know, you, 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 you admire, uh, 
secretly or, or outwardly, you admire people that you watch walk through some stuff and they don't quit. Somewhere's inside of you, you admire them. Is that true? I'm looking at my pastor right now, battling cancer for eight years, sitting with him in the hospital, connected to a ventilator that's breathing for him, and they're not sure if he's going to come out. And I'm laying hands on him by faith. I'm like, Lord, heal him. I'm speaking over him. You're healed, man. And God, sleep good. This is just a break. Sleep good. It's, you're going to come out. You're going to recover. You know what I'm getting when I watch him? I'm learning more about diligence. When I see his wife driving from Jennings to Lafayette to Jennings to Lafayette to try to get to Crowley to bring a girl to basketball game to get her son here and there to do all these other things. When I see those people, can I tell you what's going on inside of me? I admire them. It builds my courage. It says, man, if you can make it, I can make it. Right? So diligence isn't just for you. A lot of times it's for the people watching you. That's good preaching. I don't care what you say. I learned diligence on the job. I was a heavy equipment operator, and I was working at a carbon black plant, and they, they needed somebody to go find a, a busted water line. So they sent me out there, and, and a lot of these plants are old, and nobody knows where the pipes are anymore, and they think stuff's dead, and it's not dead. And, and so they send me out there on a backhoe, and I'm not really good at a backhoe, and I'm, I'm digging. And they said, man, we need to find this water line. I got one of our guys standing here, and then a, another employee for the plant saying, yeah, I think it's somewhere over here. And, and I'm digging. And I'm digging, and I'm not even cautious, I'm just digging. And then a, an old hand from the plant comes and says, oh, oh, time out, bro. You know what's down there? I said, uh-uh. He said, bro, there's a, a live electric line down there. There's a live gas line down there. And I quickly got me a case of the old shoots. I says, you want to stop? No, keep going. You know where it's at? Mm-mm. I was put in high-pressure situations to do things that I wasn't comfortable doing, and I wanted to quit, and the problem was there was nobody else that wanted to do it. I was the only idiot that would get on the machine and do it. I got on the machine, I started digging, and I slowed my game down. I started digging, and I, started, I didn't bust the, uh, the power line. I didn't bust the gas line. I found the water line. It took me longer than everybody was expecting, but I did it. It was a high-pressure situation that I didn't want to be in, but I, I had diligence to get me through it. Now watch what happened. On the flip side of that, every time they had a busted water line in the plant, who'd they call? It wasn't Ghostbusters, it was me. They called me. Why? Because I was diligent to finish it and I didn't quit. Come on. It built confidence in my employers. It eventually promoted me. Come on, you seeing this? It gave me extra hours. It gave me favor. My diligence is a part of my character. Diligence is a tremendous character trait, but it won't come easy. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not going to come easy. Proverbs 13, 4 says this. It says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. What's in your soul? Watch this. In your soul is your will, your mind, and your emotions. That's what makes up your soul, part of what makes up your soul. People that are led by their emotions are usually struggling financially. Okay, I'm going to read the verse to you one more time. 
The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. There's a conversion that happens in your soul when you start to learn diligence. You see, I recognize now when I need to use diligence as soon as I don't feel like doing what I'm about to do. Right? That's okay. So that used to be like, there used to be an excuse for me to quit or to not show up. Now it's, it's an identifier that says, hey, you need to kick in some, some diligence right now. You see it? Feelings are great. I'm glad we have feelings. I'm glad we have emotions. I'm glad we're, we're made up that way. But you've got to be careful because your emotions don't always want to do what God wants you to do. Come on, you know that's true. Your emotions don't, don't always want to do what God wants you to do. Number four, diligence gives you influence. This is a big deal. To do a job well, even when you don't feel like, is a, is a very valuable lesson to a young person. We should be training our kids that when you take out the trash, come on, this is, this is simple and practical right here. When you take out the trash, son, you come back into the house and you put a fresh one in. Holla, come on, preach with me. You got to teach them young. You tell them to cut the grass and they miss half the yard, you send them back outside. Oh, no, Jack, you got to go get the rest of that. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man, nothing. I love you, but you're going to cut the grass. Right? And you're going to weed eat, and you're going to edge, and then you're going to blow the whole day and go on porch off, son. And your little girls, oh, I'm, I ain't forget about the little girls. And your little girls, when it's time to wash dishes, they load the dishwasher right, baby, right? She had to teach them. You don't just stick them dirty dishes in the dishwasher. You got to wash that before you wash it. <laughs> Blows my mind. I'm like, you got to wash it before you wash it? Well, that, that, that dishwasher ain't no good. You got to put the dishes up in the right spot. Got to teach them diligence young. Come on, somebody. If you're not intentional to teach them diligence, then somebody else is going to teach them laziness. Amen? Proverbs 12, 24 says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. You want to be a leader or a slave? Come on. You know what your job needs? Your job needs godly leadership. That's right. The company you work for, the, if you're self-employed, no matter what it is, your job needs godly leadership, and you are there to be that leadership. And God wants to pour out influence on you. God wants to pour out his influence on you. It's part of his plan. Because, you see, you're at your job to be a witness. You're at your job to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And if you're lazy, you're misrepresenting. Come on, let's get real this morning. Ain't nobody like lazy people. How many of you like to work next to lazy people? Raise your hand. Come on, seriously. None of you. None of you. Diligence gives you influence. Last point, number five, right here. Go with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45. It says this, last point, verse Point five says this, diligence produces godly leadership. Diligence produces godly leadership. Mark chapter 10, 
verse 42 and 45. Watch what Jesus says. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Let's read that one more time. So you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. That's what the world does. The world wants authority over you so it can rule over you and tell you what you need to do and not do. Amen? We don't aspire to godly leadership or to any form of leadership to rule over people. We aspire to godly leadership to help people. And Jesus gives the perfect example. Watch what he says. But among you, talking to his believers, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. So if you want to be a leader, you got to be a servant. Huh? That's not how I was taught to get up the ladder. You want to be a leader, you need to be a servant. This is Jesus' words. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Then he hits you right in the nose with this one. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus or is Jesus a godly leader? Okay, you can answer that. The answer is yes. Okay, so let's try that again. Is Jesus a godly leader? But was he not also a servant? Was he not the one who washed his disciples' feet? Was he not the one that went to the cross and died to give us freedom and to, and to give us a, a, a way back into a relationship with God? Was he not the one that laid his life down for us, but yet he's godly? Can you put the pieces together? Godly, leaderships, godly leadership equals servanthood. Servanthood. It's, it's, you want to go up, sometimes you got to go down. The best way to help yourself is to help other people. It's to help other people. But, but it's too easy to go, I need help, I need help, I need help. And you focus on helping yourself. You know what happens? You become inward. And Jesus didn't even give us that example, did he? Did he have a weak moment? Did he have moments where he wanted to get out? Heck yeah, he was in the garden. Lord, if there's another way. But what did he do? He stood up and he said, no, let's go. And he laid his life down. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down for every one of us. Diligence equals godly leadership. His motivation was not to be in charge, but it was to help others. You see, when you start to focus a little less on yourself and more on others, God does this strange promotion process it doesn't even make sense to the world you can be the guy at work that's fixing the water cooler making sure if it falls over he goes over there fixes it re replenishes the water cooler sets it back upright stacks the cups good and then goes back to work he's the guy that cleans off the shovels at the end of the day and puts them back in the shop takes an extra five minutes and everybody's like yo bro clean my shovel and god's watching and he's going that's my boy he's being diligent He's doing things well. He's doing them with excellence. And God goes, he's getting the promotion. 
You see it? It's strange, but it's true. You know who you need to promote in your business? The guy who stays humble and serves everybody else. That's the guy you need to promote. Why? Because it's biblical. Because it's wise. My son just got a job with somebody and he started working, had his first full week. He's coming home, leave at 6.30 in the morning, come home at 7.30 at night. And I'm like, hmm, he's getting him something now. Come in the house dragging a little bit. I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm. Daddy ain't the only one that works hard, mm-hmm. But I didn't say none of that. When he, before he got his job, I said, let me tell you something, son. This is the best advice I could have gave him. I said, listen to me. You go to work for this guy, you do everything he says to do and more. If you see something needs to be done, do it. Don't get caught up in all the other stuff. Just do it. And everything that you do, son, do it well. I talked to the guy this week. He goes, man, he's killing it. I told my brother, I think we got somebody. I'm saying this in front of him because I'm usually putting him down in front of him. So I'm trying to build the brother back up. <laughs> I don't put him down. I just pick on him. I'm proud of you, son. Diligence. It's my responsibility to pass that on to my children. They leave your house and, they, and they're lazy employees. That's on you, bro. Amen? Let me wrap this up. Diligence is the great equalizer. It levels the playing field. You don't have to be the most talented, the most educated, the most charismatic. You don't have to have the biggest personality. You don't have to be the strongest. Diligence levels the playing field. When your talent fails you, diligence promotes you. Come on. When your strength is not enough, diligence promotes you. So we're talking about finances. You know what we need to do with our finances? We need to be diligent with our finances. Don't chase the get-rich-quick things. Be diligent. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Asking God for wisdom the whole time. Diligent, 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 diligent. Keep plugging away. Amen? But you can apply that to every area of your life. You want to be closer to Jesus? Be diligent. Want to have a better marriage? Be diligent. 